You're listening to From the Front Row with Letitia Cotto, a podcast for those who want to take center stage in their lives. I'm your MC and number one fan, Letitia Cotto, master life coach, motivational speaker, and Maven Mama. I'm here to show you how to love yourself into the life of your dreams by teaching you how to tap into your innate brilliance and worthiness. If you're ready to let go of what no longer serves you and step into the highest version of yourself, you're in the right place. Let's get it popping. Hey there, honey bunny. It's your girl, Letitia Cotto, and I'm coming at you live from the front row, teaching you how to love yourself into the life of your dreams. We are going to have an amazing time today. We're going to rock it out. You're going to learn a lot. Then you're going to go out there and you're going to live a lot in only the way that you can. I speak it, I believe it, and I receive it. Let's go on ahead and knock out some housekeeping and announcements because I absolutely love housekeeping and announcements. I'm nerdy like that. Number one, the Red Carpet Collective is coming. Yay! So this past April, God really put it on my heart to start taking action on dreams and ideas that I've literally been having for like two years now. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do is launch a membership program to help women on their self-love journey. And it's going to be opening up at the beginning of August. So right now, my beta babes and I are knee deep in beta testing, working out the kinks and making it extra juicy for you. So if you're interested, get yourself on the invite list. It's very exclusive, very VIP. Click the link on the blog cast page for today's episode and I will personally make sure that you are walking the red carpet in August, okay? Okay. (laughs) Number two, don't forget to download the free worksheet so that you can take notes. Keep track of your aha moments and how you're going to apply what you learn in this episode to your everyday life. Number three, in each and every episode of From the Front Row with Letitia Cotto, I always encourage you to keep an open heart and an open mind. If you hear something that you already know, something that you've heard other people say, that's good. I want to encourage you to ask yourself, how can I experience this information in a new way? And I can guarantee you, if you'll approach it that way, you will have tremendo aha moment. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. If you try it out and it just doesn't feel right for you, that is a-okay. At the end of the day, this is your life. Take what works, toss what doesn't. I'm just grateful that you are here jamming with me. Number four, today's episode is being recorded at Letitia Cotto headquarters. Lyric just woke up from her nap. I can hear her in the background and you probably will be able to hear her too. She is very loud and assertive these days, y'all. I love recording because I never know what's going to happen. I think that's just a metaphor for life. So whatever happens, it's all good. We're going to make it do what it do. Number five, the title of today's episode is a lyric from Shaka Khan's classic, I'm Every Woman, It's All In Me. (laughs) I love that song. All right, all right. Before I start going off into Tremendo Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, baby Shaka Khan, um, tangent, let's let's get into it. Love, love, love Rufus, love Shaka Khan. All right, anywho, 
I have only been to one book club meeting in my entire life. It was held at the Barnes and Noble in the shops at Sunset Place in Miami, Florida. There were like 10 of us. Yeah, I think it was about 10 women uh, sitting in chairs arranged in a circle in the middle of the Barnes and Noble. And I can't even remember what book we were discussing. I only remember feeling like I couldn't relate to what any of the women were saying. And I didn't feel a connection, so I never went back. (laughs) I know you're thinking, geez, Letitia, that's a fantastic story. Please don't ever share that again, okay? So underwhelming. (laughs) I'm going somewhere, I promise, all right? Fun fact, I'm a nerd. I love reading, I love learning, I love nerding out, I love getting nerdy with it. Um, So it's been in my heart for a while to start a virtual book club for the Honey Bunny Inner Circle, my gorgeous gang of go-getters. So just like with this podcast, I put off starting the book club because I didn't know the first thing about running a book club, especially a virtual book club, because most of my HBs live all over the world. And I didn't have the best experience to fall back on. So the idea to do this book club has literally been marinating in my mind for two, two or so years, right? And for me, 2019 has been a year of making-ish happen. I mean, can y'all believe we're already on episode 31 of this podcast? I remember when I recorded the very first episode, I was terrified to press the publish, you know, the, the, um, save publish button in Squarespace. And here we are now. I'm definitely not a pro, but I feel so much better than when I first started. And I think with each episode, I'm, I'm feeling more comfortable. I think that you can feel that energy and I think it's just going to continue to get better over time, just like anything, right? You know, I, so I, I launched the podcast. I launched my online course, Reignite, Rekindling Your Best Relationships Now. And I'm currently knee deep in the beta testing of the membership program, the Red Carpet Collective. And I'm definitely going to be sharing more information about that with y'all in the coming weeks. So it really just, God, God really has been after me to start acting on the dreams that I've had in my heart for years. You know, no more dreaming like dream than do. I cannot tell y'all how many times I've let fear, uncertainty, not knowing how to do something. And when I say not knowing how to do something, like the logistics of it, like this is how you create a blog post in Squarespace. This is how you submit your podcast to iTunes. I let those little like details stop me from chasing my dreams and I am over it. Like I am just done with that feeling of waiting for my life and my business to really start. Like, I don't think you ever really quote unquote arrive somewhere. Like it's just a constant evolution, right? And so for me, 2019 has been like that poem from Anais Nin, the one that says, and then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Isn't that gorgeous? I'm going to say it again. And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Well, let me tell you, honey bunny, your girl been blossoming left and right. 
Every night I pray, God, show me what to do next. I I am scared. I'm scared and I am committed to following you. Um, so all of this to say that last month we kicked off the HBIC virtual book club. We meet online the last Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. So please feel free to sign up. I will drop the link into the broadcast page for today's episode. Click it, sign up, read the book, get your groove on, honey. Now, the best books make you stop and pay attention. And they also make you do some serious self-reflection. And it's a very personal experience. So what comes up for me may not come up for you. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about the HBIC Virtual Book Club. Because I get to hear how my honey bunnies experience the same material that I've just read. So last month, we kicked off the book club with Michelle Obama's memoir. Is it memoir? Man, I meant to Google that. I meant to Google that before I started recording because I didn't want y'all to make fun of me for not knowing how to say memoir. But that's how I be saying it. Memoir. 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 Y'all. The English language. Anyways, her book, Becoming. I opted for the audio version of this book and I'm so glad that I did because it was really powerful to hear her story in her voice. I laughed. I cried. I rejoiced. I listened to all 19 hours and three minutes of her story. Now, you know, it had to have been engaging for me to do that. And believe it or not, I didn't want it to end. So when I got down to the last 24 minutes of the book, I started to like procrastinate to like prolong finishing the book. I wanted, I wanted the moment to last forever. Um, I plan on buying an actual book and displaying it proudly on my bookcase as a visual reminder that I too carry greatness within me. Um, I had so many tremendo aha moments and I want to share three of my greatest takeaways with you right now. And what came up for me when I listened to the audiobook version of Becoming by Michelle Obama. All right, you ready? Get it ready, get it ready, get it ready, ready. All right. Number one, Michelle Obama is a human being. oh man I know somebody out there is like what (laughs) yes number one Michelle Obama is a human being now I I know I know bear with me I promise I have a point I know I'm stating the obvious you see I think it's really easy to place people on pedestals you know for me it's like Barack and Michelle Beyonce Oprah Selena the Pope like these larger than life figures that we admire but we probably don't relate to because they're so friggin amazing and we forget that they're human beings just like us you know they deal with struggles loss frustration and so many other things that we may never know about now real talk Michelle Obama is the definition of black excellence. And you know what? She's the definition of excellence, period, in my my city girl voice. You know, she's the definition of check my resume, my records impeccable excellence, like T.I. said. And she wondered if she was enough. Like insert, insert boom, boom sound, you know, like what explosion? 
that blew my mind. You know, from the outside looking in, I was like, of course, Michelle Obama is enough. Hello, she's Michelle Obama. She is intelligent, gorgeous, charismatic, a no brainer. But I know a lot about how things feel on the inside looking out. You know, how even a remarkable woman like Michelle Obama could be struggling with feeling that she's not enough, that she has to prove herself, that she has to go farther, faster. And it can be a vicious cycle if you don't recognize it. And don't get it twisted. I know that in a way it seems like a good thing. The quote unquote, not enoughness, if you will, pushes you, right? You get the degrees, the job, the salary, the membership to the country club, the cute kids, the doting husband. But if there's not a solid foundation of self-love and self-worth on the inside, it has the potential to do more harm than it does good. You know, you're on a hamster wheel of achievement, but you're not really going anywhere. Mm. You're on a hamster wheel of achievement, but you're not really going anywhere. And I'm so grateful that she talked about that. You know, the feelings of not being enough, the the striving, the being one of the few people of color in her academic experience or her work experience, uh, the not having it figured out when she graduated. So she went straight to law school because it seemed like it was the next logical step. Um, the walking away from a high paying job as a lawyer, the never ending attempt at balancing career and motherhood, um, the wanting to support your husband all while having zero interest in politics and all that living in the spotlight bring spotlight brings with it. The transition from top executive Michelle Obama before she became the first lady of the United States of America, y'all, she was accomplished in her own right, honey. She was the executive director at the University of Chicago's, uh, I think, the hospital system, you know, and then all of a sudden she becomes the first lady and that position is unpaid <laughs> and highly scrutinized, right? And, you know, the constant criticism and nastiness splashed all over the media about her, you know, criticizing what she's wearing, criticizing the shape of her body, the color of her skin. Um, if, if a camera, you know, if a, a photographer happened to capture her, you know, in a moment where she wasn't smiling or, you know, she was talking about when she was on the campaign trail. And she was speaking and something that she said was taken out of context because, you know, you can easily pull a sound bite and it makes it sound com some completely different than what it was within the context of that speech. Um, I don't think I'd be strong enough to do what she did and do it with as much grace as she did. I'm I'm gonna keep it real. I'm not that graceful, y'all. Like I will work on my temper for the rest of my life. And I've gotten so much better, but I'd be lying to you if I tried to sit here and tell you that I don't have moments where I'm like, "Huh? What the f did you just say to me?" <laughs> you know, and you can't do that in the spotlight, especially if you want to remain sane because you know, the world is going to give you a million reasons to get upset and a million reasons to want to fight back. Right. And I think that while we should never lose 
Like while we should never become jaded, if we answer every invitation to every fight that we receive, we're going to be on the losing end. Like it's, it's a fine line, right? And it's all about setting boundaries. And I just, I don't know if I could do that in, in that particular position, you know? And I, real talk, I did see myself in her story. Now, sure, I didn't grow up on Euclid Avenue in the south side of Chicago, but I could relate to her. You know, she sat down for dinner every night with her parents and her brother. And for me, it was me, my mom, and my grandparents, you know, every night for dinner, you know, I always had a home-cooked meal and a sense of family. There was always somebody there with me. And when she talked about how easy it was for kids in the south side of Chicago to slip through the cracks, I felt that in a real way because I saw it happen in my own neighborhood at the schools I went to with my own group of friends. And I could have easily been one of those kids had it not been for Mama Terry, my grandparents, and the many amazing teachers that saw my potential throughout my life, and they spoke greatness into me. And I want to shout out Mrs. Robinson and Mrs. Washington. I am forever grateful for you two. Lord, I'd be getting emotional, and I wasn't even planning on that. Oh, I can't help it. When she said, if you don't get out there and define yourself, you'll be quickly and inaccurately defined by others. I found myself saying, yes, Michelle, say that, you know, snapping my fingers and rolling my neck all while preparing dinner because I listened to the audiobook, So I would listen while I would, you know, cook or do laundry. And when she said that there was magic in the learning, I felt that too. Education leveled the playing field for me, gave me an opportunity to get out of Waco and head to college in Atlanta on a full ride and showed me that there was an even bigger world out there than what I experienced growing up. And it made me dream bigger. Oh, and the way she described her family, I felt like they was my family. And when she talked about going over to her grandpa Southside's house for barbecues and jazz music, it reminded me of how my grandparents' house would be during the holidays when my extended family would visit. You know, the adults would play dominoes and the kids would run around the house, which would prompt my grandma to start screaming her head off about getting Susie. <laughs> Okay, tremendo tangent alert, all right? My cousins and I were so bad that my grandma <laughs> got one of my grandpa's belts and she nicknamed it Susie. So everything was, you better cut that out or I'm going to get Susie on you. <laughs> and if you ask my cousin Mikey, he can do the most amazingly accurate impression of my grandmother. And we all like, we love like hearing him because it's super funny. Um, so yeah, she would start screaming and then we would laugh at her and that would make her even madder. And then she would like unleash the fury of Susie on us. And it's funny now because if you ask her about it, she'll tell you that we all made it up, that she never did that. Insert Prince side eye right here. Grandma. <laughs> I love my grandma. And Getting back to becoming, when Michelle Obama talked about going over to Southside's house and playing records, it reminded me of how my grandpa, who has been legally blind since the 70s, 
um, he would always ask me to peruse his record collection for him to find just the right tunes for that moment. My grandpa is very particular about what he wants to hear when he wants to hear it. And I loved, you know, he'd say, okay, yeah, I want to listen to that. So I'd take the record out of its sleeve and I'd carefully place it on top of the record player. And then I would gently set the needle on the record, you know, and to this day, like, I love the crispy pop you hear as you, you play a record on, on a record player. It's, it's just magical. And, you know, my grandpa was also pretty innovative with how he got his music. So we had the music choice option that comes with cable. And at the time, it was like this little box that he had hooked up to his speakers. And so it was either like, you know, play my records or or put it on, you know, music choice. And I'd always put it on his favorite channels. And when he wasn't listening, I would promptly place it on the tropical station and dance my face off all alone in my grandparents' bedroom. Um, so music is a very deep connection, um, for me, for my family, as it does, you know, with Michelle and her family. And when she talked about being on the campaign trail and realizing that she had a lot in common with the folks in Iowa, than she originally thought, you know, I, I felt that, you know, we sometimes mistakenly think that we could never relate to people who look different or live different than we do. And it's not true. And if we stay in that story of being different and not being able to relate, we go through our entire lives missing out And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on the beauty in others just because they're packaged differently than I am. You know, that beauty is there and we can totally find it if we'll only just be on the lookout for it. Number two, we all need friends. When she talked about the loss of her bestie, her college bestie, Suzanne, I like had to stop the audible and I like bawled my eyes out for like a good 10 minutes. It made me think of my own beautiful friends who are sprinkled all over the continental U.S. And the thought of never being able to talk to them again or laugh with them or see them really made me uh, emotional. And if you haven't noticed, I cry easily, so it doesn't take much to, to get me to cry. And when she said, I regretted not coming earlier to visit Suzanne in the hospital, I thought about all the times that a friend has popped into my mind and I said, oh, you know what? I'm gonna hit her up later. And then later never came. And I gotta do better at that. So shout out to all my friends. I love y'all. And I'm gonna do better about checking on you. So throughout the book, Michelle emphasizes the importance of friendship. You know, whether it was her childhood friends, her college friends, her mom friends in Chicago, or her tribe that helped her keep her sanity during the eight years in the White House. You know, she writes, friendships between women, as many women will tell you, are built of a thousand small kindnesses swapped back and forth and over again. And I tell you that those small kindnesses have saved me over and over again throughout my life. 
You see, I'm an only child, so my friendships mean the world to me. Like, I remember when my high school boyfriend broke my heart and T.A. came over to my house to sit with me on my grandparents' porch swing, and we just sat there in silence, and I just cried my eyes out, and and T.A. was there for me. Or how my comadre Angela organized my gender reveal and her and TA did my baby shower and Lyric's first birthday. Like, I'm not a crafty person. Uh, I am not the person you call when you want to make, you know, party stuff, right? Um, And so they really stepped in and helped me out with that. And, you know, or like how my friend Julie loaned me $700 when my world came tumbling down. Or how Jane helped me get through all of my finance and accounting courses at Rice. Or how Becky helped me find my dog, baby Presley, after a tough heartbreak. You know, or how Princess constantly encouraged me via text message, especially during the first year of motherhood when I was sleep-deprived and suffering postpartum blues. So when Michelle was reflecting on her friendships, it made me appreciate my own. So if I didn't name you here, it's not because I don't love you or because you don't matter. It's because this episode would literally be 48 hours long if I started naming everybody. Because God has blessed me with some amazing friends. You know, every year my friend Bevan and I would talk about, oh, well, you know, we got to do a women's weekend uh, like Michelle did for her tribe at Camp David every year. And I want to say it was back in like 2008, 2009, maybe, uh, that we went to New Orleans and we haven't done anything since. And it just goes to show you, number one, how fast time goes. So we got to make that happen, Bev. We got to make it happen. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, right now, call up your friend, send her a text, meet for drinks. Don't wait for later because it may not come. You know, your friendships are not frivolous afterthoughts, honey bunny. They are part of your solid foundation of self-love and self-worth. It's like that quote, a friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the lyrics. A friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the lyrics. Number three, open the door, leave it open, show others the way, and help them through. Open the door, leave it open, show others the way, and help them through. One thing about becoming that that was really impressed upon my heart was this idea of giving back and helping others make it. So when Michelle was at Sidley and Austin, a law firm uh, in Chicago, she did a lot with recruiting and she wanted to make sure that lawyers of color were not overlooked in the recruiting process. And during her time as executive director of the University of Chicago Hospitals, she helped to create programming that served underprivileged people who regularly sought medical treatment at emergency rooms because they didn't have insurance or access to primary care doctors. And during her time at the White House, she mentored, mentored female staffers and students so that they could see firsthand all of the possibilities available to them. 
And in the book, she also talks extensively about the Elizabeth Garrett Anderson School, which is a girls-only inner-city comprehensive in the UK. Now, in 2009, she visited the school where she shared the following words. She said, I want you to know that we have very much in common. For nothing in my life's path would have predicted that I'd be standing here as the first lady of the United States of America. There was nothing in my story that would land me here. I wasn't raised with wealth or resources of any social standing to speak of. You know, if you want to know the reason why I'm standing here, it's because of education. I never cut class. Sorry, I don't know if anybody here is cutting class. I never did. I loved getting A's. I liked being smart. I loved being on time. I loved getting my work done. I thought being smart was cooler than anything in the world. And this visit to the Elizabeth Garrett Anderson School in the UK really inspired her to set her focus on education and children initiatives during her time as FLOTUS. You know, sure, you could argue that she has a bigger platform than most of us. So she should give back, right? Like she should mentor. She should open doors for others. But I think that what I took away from becoming is the sense that I, too, can make a difference right where I am with the platform I have and the resources available to me. You know, I don't need to be Michelle, Beyonce, Oprah or Malala. I can be Letitia Cotto and reach people and love them and speak life into them and encourage them. And it doesn't matter if I'm a life coach or a podcaster or senior financial analyst or stay-at-home mom or a doctor. Everyone everywhere can open a door of encouragement, of perspective, of possibility, of kindness. And yes, it absolutely does matter. Real talk, honey bunny, you will never truly know how many people you've inspired just by being you, by living your life and doing what you do. You may not realize it, but you're planting seeds that become trees that you will never sit under. I'm going to say that again. You are planting seeds that become trees that you'll never sit under. And I know it gets discouraging and I know you want to give up. But don't do it. Your story isn't over and it's going to inspire people just like Michelle Obama's story inspired me. Leaving a legacy of love is the greatest thing you can do. Love inspires more love, possibility, hope, a collective healing. And the love we give in this world will outlive us and it will echo through eternity. Now it's your turn. Leave a comment on the blogcast page for today's episode and let me know what tremendo aha moments you had from reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. I cannot wait to hear from you. I'm cheering for you. Like I can read your thoughts right now. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to I'm going to stop this recording and I'm going to go listen to Shaka Khan. <laughs> from the front row, Letitia. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you for rocking with me today. Make sure and subscribe so that you don't miss out on all this goodness. 
If you love this episode, leave a glowing review on iTunes and share with a friend. Don't forget, the show don't stop here, honey bunny. Join me over at LetitiaCotto.com or find me on Instagram and Pinterest at I am Letitia Cotto. You'll find uplifting quotes, life-changing tips and tricks, and a whole lot of inspiration. It's an honor to support you from the front row.